Hey guys, Matt here. Before we begin this episode of The Obsessive Viewer, I just want to mention that we are currently running a contest where you can win a free Obsessive Viewer t-shirt. The contest runs from now until January 1st, and if you want to enter, all you have to do is leave a rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher. Then you need to take a screenshot of the review and email it to matt at obsessiveviewer.com with the subject line Obsessive Viewer T-Shirt Contest. On January 1st, I'll randomly select a winner from the entries and we'll get a free t-shirt mailed to them. We'll be accepting entries until December 31st at midnight, so make sure you get the email in before then. Thank you guys for listening and enjoy this week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer. This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And for more of our podcasting content around the internet, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. And uh, this week's sponsor for the for this episode, for this week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer... <laughs> That was terrible. Um, <laughs> is uh, our friends over at Horror Movie Yearbook at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. They're an excellent podcast that takes a, um, a few different uh, horror movies and uh, discusses them uh, according to their year of release and uh, reviews them and discusses them in context of the uh, – current events and pop culture of the year they were released. They recently did an episode about the class of 1985, which included uh, discussions of the movies Day of the Dead, Return of the Living Dead, and Reanimator. And then they just recently uh, published a an overview of uh, a, a tribute to the late uh, Tob- Toby Hooper, um, mm-hmm. yep, who directed uh, The Mangler. And, um, of course, uh, uh, oh man, um, Texas Chainsaw, <laughs> Texas Massacre. Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they also reviewed Stranger Things season two as well. Cool. So thank you so much to Horror Movie Yearbook and the Midwest Podcast Network, um, for sponsoring this week's episode. Uh, you know, honestly, <laughs> a couple times here and there, like, I always kind of think like, did they did they forget that they're, that they're sponsoring us? <laughs> so I'm kind of hoping that you know the money keeps pouring in. Yeah, because um, nice. they've been sponsoring us for a while, and it's very much appreciated. Nice. Um, just hope that they keep not noticing it. Yeah. <laughs> so this week on the podcast, Tiny, how's it going? You haven't really have you been on the podcast on obsessive viewer recently it's been like a month it has been like a it's month been a month about a minute yep tiny has has filled or not tiny you're tiny um hi <laughs> uh fecus has has filled your shoes comfortably he has and he has gotten <laughs> he's gotten the uh very unfortunate um uh he had the very unfortunate job of of talking with me about the sexual assault allegations that have been oh, sweeping hollywood yeah uh, and, and, you know, honestly, I, I had every intention of getting us all together and doing a, doing an episode dedicated to it, but the, but it just didn't really 
match up. Like we didn't yeah. get uh, get uh, together to do that. Um, we may still do that in the future because, I mean, as as fucked up as it sounds, fortunately, it's still an ongoing thing. Like right. a few weeks ago when we talked about Harvey Weinstein, it's like we we were hoping that this wouldn't be just an isolated thing, that it would open the floodgates. And it seems like every single day we get a new yeah. run of allegations, a new, a new triumph really. Like mm-hmm. I read that, uh, Terry Cruz is actually suing the rep that fondled him, um, Jeez. at a party. And, uh, uh, time magazine actually named their person of the year, uh, since Donald Trump graciously declined, <laughs> um, they named the uh, uh, person of the year was the Silence Breakers, which is just uh, everyone that, that oh, okay. you know broke the broke the opened the floodgates to to all of this. It's a nice gesture. Um, yeah, it's it's great. It's fantastic. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just really great to hopefully see that this is all hopefully going to cause industry industry wide changes and uh and be more uh be make for a more friendly and more you know um inclusive inclusive and and hospitable working environment for yes. people in the industry yeah. and i'm would also hope that the widespread uh reporting of it would you know Hopefully, the idea, the hope is that it would filter into different industries around the world, you know, that, you know, hey, you know, maybe not, you know, sexually accost or harass someone mm-hmm. in the workplace or at all. Yeah, um, <laughs> at all. In a perfect world. Yeah. It's like, it should be common sense. Right. But, yeah, and then and then also Danny Masterson had... uh some stuff come up. Right. Yeah, that was... Whew. That also, hopefully, that <clears throat> trickles into the Scientology side of things, too, because right. Scientology, the Church of Scientology was protecting him, uh-huh. and Netflix admirably stepped up and just fired him okay. from their show, The Ranch, right. which everyone clearly loves. <laughs> I don't know. I, I watched it, actually. It. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. I think, did I bring up... I might have brought it up on the podcast. I don't know. Maybe. That's a good question. I don't know. Third, I think the third season's coming up pretty soon. That sounds right. Um, so what's your take on... Have you been keeping up with the news and everything? Do you have anything... To an extent, to yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you had to have one person on to discuss it, Fekas was probably a good one to have given mm-hmm. his... You know, he's, that he's a law enforcement officer, so... Right. That's probably a good perspective to have. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really blown away by it. You know, I... I'd heard rumors. I remember seeing uh, Corey Feldman mm-hmm. give an interview about it, and like he wasn't naming names. And I was like, he was talking about like a, a borderline conspiracy mm-hmm. and uh, like an underground conspiracy. And I remember uh, when the whole uh, Brian Singer thing came out. Yeah, it was like he's part of this ring, underground ring of sex traffickers, essentially. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's just, that's crazy. I, and I had trouble wrapping my head around it. I, I'm not saying they were liars or that I didn't believe it, but I was like, man, that's, that sounds really borderline unbelievable. Mm. But now all this stuff is coming out and it sounds like it was a way bigger problem than I had any idea of. And it's, it's sad and it's, you know, it makes me, makes me realize that, you know, it's, it makes me kind of realize 
male privilege, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't have to go through the same the same mental anguish as as women do, even if they've never physically been assaulted or anything they've been they've you know most women have been harassed or they've been uh Mm -hmm. made to feel uncomfortable or something and it's just like i don't even think about it Mm -hmm. but now that all this has come up i can't help but think about it and it makes me you know worry for my my cousins and my wife and my Mm -hmm. future daughters if i have them my nieces um so yeah it's it's all it's all disturbing, but hopefully, like you said, the the dialogue that's happening will result in some change, some some culture, not just in the movie industry, but just societally and culturally, because um, it's it's not contained to just the movie industry or right. Hollywood. It's you know we're seeing it in politics and the news and just everywhere. It's uh, and I'm I'm bummed and I'm angry that some people that I really like. I can't like anymore. And that like, like I, I loved Louis CK. Like he was my favorite yeah. comic and fuck that guy. Now. I mean, <laughs> I give him a little bit of credit for accepting responsibility, but you should do that. Like that's the bare minimum. And so it's unfortunate that there's a lot of guys that are not taking a lot of people that are not taking responsibility for mm-hmm. it. And they're not truly apologizing. Um, and he kind of did in a way. So I, I give him a little bit of credit for that, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a shitty situation, but it's also a silver lining at the same time because it's creating a dialogue and there is some form of, uh, I would say social justice being achieved through mm-hmm. the fact that these people, mostly women are coming out and their stories are being heard. And this, there is a, very bright light being shined on this issue at the moment. Mm -hmm. So that's, that is a silver lining. That is a good thing. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's all I have to say about it for the most part. I also wanted to say, I I think it's disturbing some of the reaction to it because so many people are jumping to the conclusion that they're just accusations Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, it's just an accusation at this point. There's no proof. No one's gone to jail for a lot of these things. And it's, that is a very, poor conclusion to jump to or a very, very poor position to take regarding this thing. And I think it's a responsible position to take. And I wish you have to acknowledge that because technically they are just accusations. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not a lot of this stuff is not being proved in the court of law and people are not being convicted, Mm -hmm. at least not a lot of them. Um, In a court of law, there's not literal adjudication or justice being administered, but um, so you do have to take that into account, mm-hmm. but to just automatically jump to the conclusion, especially outside of Hollywood, the whole uh, Judge Roy Moore in Alabama running for mm-hmm. Jeff Sessions' seat, and he's—I think I don't think he's in the lead anymore in the polling. But you know, there were so many people jumping to his defense, <laughs> saying yeah. saying that it was all accusations, and that just makes me my blood. Like I, I was—I would listen to it on the radio. I listen to mm-hmm. NPR quite a bit at work. And they would be talking about it, and it would just make my blood boil. I'd have to turn the radio off because I'm like, you, that cannot be your standard defense mm-hmm. to jump to that. It just, it just makes me so mad that that is people's default reaction to it is that, well, they're just accusations. Mm-hmm. That's, that doesn't mean you dismiss them. And yeah. Go ahead yeah. and just vote for the guy to be a part of our government. Ugh. So, yeah, that's, I had to say that because it, <laughs> right. that disturbs me. And that's, I mm-hmm. think that's, 
a really huge issue within the issue that needs to be addressed. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's like I said, silver lining, good and bad, but it's, mm-hmm. it's disturbing, but maybe something good will come of it. Yeah. It is. And it is disturbing, but at least it's, I mean, it's shedding, like you said, that very bright spotlight on something that has been, repressed. Been, yeah. Yeah. Repressed in, in systematic within, the industry and in the world really mm-hmm. um, the, the, at the very least the country um, for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you, you said something about, um, and this is, this is probably another conversation to be had. I think we actually talked about having an episode kind of built around this uh, a while ago, back when Mike was full time on the podcast, but um, you said like you, you can't enjoy the entertainment that people like Louis CK is a prime yeah. example. Um, in cases such as this, are you one to boycott someone's, um, someone's, uh, product when, when allegations like this come to light? Like, let's, let's, let's not, let's not get into like the, oh, well, their allegations are not proven and everything. Let's just right. say, uh, in the situations where it's multiple people are coming forward and it's <laughs> divulging an open secret. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that reminds me that I had something else to add to my list for external, <laughs> but go ahead. Like, do you, are you one that's like, okay, well, can't watch any of this. Can't watch any of that. Never going to watch house of cards again. Right. Never going to watch Louie. Like how, how do you handle the whole, like separating art from the, uh, performer? Uh, I, I'm not a big boycotter really. Um, because I think you're cheating yourself in some instances when you boycott. I, I'm not saying it's an ignoble pursuit. Like if you want to, I, I think there's merit to boycotting something, but um, I'm not real big on it. I But I will say that, let's just use Louis C.K. as an example. His comedy will henceforth be uh, cheapened. To an extent, because of the knowledge of what he did, um, and in his case, I think that's a good case because, like I said, he came out and said these stories are true. This happened. He's admitting right. to it, so there's no, there's no uh, uh, question there. Like this happened, mm-hmm. and he's guilty. Um, and so, yeah, like with Kevin Spacey, for example, I, th- I think that is uh, on the other end of, end of the spectrum. You know, he says that he has no recollection of that event. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I don't know if I can give him the benefit of the doubt there and just completely write off what Anthony Rapp uh, claims. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I can't do that, but there are not multiple, it, it could be a standalone thing. Are there further no, accusations? Yeah. Oh, see, I guess I'm not up to date on Yeah, it. there was a, uh, it was actually kind of interesting because there was a, I think like a newscast, it was kind of a bizarre thing, like, uh, a newscaster, uh, I think it was a newscaster. Someone like gave like a like a, a press release or a press like a um, press conference, stating that uh, when one like when her son was eighteen um, uh, on Nantucket, um, Kevin Spacey uh, basically got him drunk and tried to tried to get him. Uh, uh, tried to uh, tried to get sexual like tried to coerce them into sexual acts. Wow. Um, but kind of the I say it's kind of funny because the, he was actually um because you were a fan of Wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were on Nantucket and they were actually at the club car. 
restaurant, really? which was featured in the 90s sitcom uh, Wings. But And then right. there was also a production assistant or um, some produ- production assistant or some – uh, some assistant on House of Cards that uh, gave the al- uh, allegation that that Kevin Spacey had basically groped him, uh, felt him up uh, when he was driving him to set or something like that. Well, damn it. Yeah. Not a good example then. And then after an internal investigation with uh, with the production of House of Cards, they that's when they decided, yeah, we're we're nixing okay. him. He's not coming back. And everything. Plus, there, <laughs> there was actually a a uh, a message board somewhere. I I don't remember how I found it. I think it was like in one of the comment threads on Reddit. Uh, someone linked to a message board thing from like like that was like archived from like 2011. That was just like posts and posts about like oh yeah Kevin Spacey like you know he's the guy that you know at parties you gotta avoid and everything because he'll 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 do something. Wow. Um, yeah. So. How do you feel about it now? <laughs> well, yeah, so that that was a poor example on my fault on my uh my part. I didn't realize all those allegations had mm. come out. So that's that's not good. Um, no. So that's not a good example then. But Yeah, uh, I don't honestly, I don't think that in this whole slew of things, yeah. I don't think there has been a single that I've come across across I don't think there's been a single um case of reasonable case, doubt. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't think there's been a yeah. I don't think there's been a single case where only one person has come forward with okay. with something. Okay. Like everything has been like just like floodgates open for multiple people. Okay. Well, so that's not a good example then, but <laughs> I get, in, in, the, to speak to the the same notion I had with Louis CK then yeah, I mean House of Cards and American mm-hmm. Beauty and the stuff that I enjoyed so much uh, so much of Kevin Spacey's work will forever be tainted. Mm-hmm. But would you ever like, would you boycott? Not necessarily, but I might not be as enthusiastic to seek out their work sure. in the future. Did you hear about the Ridley Scott movie with no. him? Oh, this is amazing. We haven't talked about this on the podcast yet. So, uh, I believe it was Ridley Scott. Yeah. He, uh, made a movie called all the money in the world mm-hmm. about, are you aware of the movie? I'm aware of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, I forget the n- name. Based on a true story about a guy who wouldn't give up ransom money for for uh, someone in his family to get brought back or something. Okay, yeah. Um, but Kevin Spacey actually plays the patriarch of that family, like the center of that mm-hmm. um, movie. W- is shot, finished, done. Uh, there's a trailer out with Kevin Spacey a month and a, a month or so ahead of uh, the release. Ridley Scott's like, "Yep, we're cutting Kevin Spacey out of the movie. We're pl- we're replacing him with Christopher Plummer." We're going to reshoot his scenes, and we're going to make that deadline for the release. Holy crap! Freaking unprecedented. Yeah, like unbelievable. And they just uh, released the trailer for the uh, Christopher Plummer um, version of wow. it. Wow. Um. Yeah, and man, like, good on him. I yeah, mean, that's oh, impressive. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's, I mean, I think that that just sends, that sends an an extremely strong message. Yeah. And I think like, okay, I've, and I have no basis for this, but anytime I see Ridley Scott, I always think like, he just looks like he's kind of like, he just looks so grumpy all the time. Yes. He kind of looks like an a-hole just a little bit. And that's, that's a little discriminatory and everything, but it's like, it's just like, Man, he just—it's uh, John Paul Getty. The uh, John Paul uh, J. Paul Getty is the character's name that based okay. on real life. But um, but yeah, man, just 
the fact that he like it's just a kind of no nonsense thing just like hey it yeah. doesn't even feel like it's like a pr move or anything it's just hey we're doing this because this because the actions of this individual are inexcusable and they do yeah. not want to be a part of this production like that's just uh it's just it's incredible to see that that right. type of action being taken that's yeah and that's like i said uh kudos to really scott for yeah that. um but like to your point i mm-hmm. if in the future it sounds like kevin spacey might be done in yeah. hollywood but like if he if there's a movie i'm looking forward to and i see a trailer like oh i like that but kevin spacey happens to be one of the actors who plays one of the characters in the movie mm-hmm. i i wouldn't necessarily make the decision to not see it just because he's in it because mm-hmm. there might be other actors in it that i like a lot um yeah yeah, and that's <sighs> like Louis C.K. One of my favorite jokes of his is how mm-hmm. he's like I, the 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 I can't put the full joke into perfect context or repeat it perfectly, but he's saying something like, "I mean, you can't rape people. You can't just do that." And then he pauses and he's like, "Unless you want to have an orgasm in their body, then you have to rape them or something like that." And like it's it's a funny joke, and like I genuinely used to laugh because I love shock humor. I yeah. think it's, I think it's really funny, and that's what I loved about Louis C.K. But that joke really isn't very funny anymore to me right? because of his actions. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I'll be able to really enjoy a, a new Louis C.K. comedy. You know, and that movie he had coming out looked a little weird, but... Oh, yeah. Like, it might be kind of... It could be really funny. Mm-hmm. I, um, I didn't know much about it. Is it called I Love You, Daddy? I think so, yeah. I think that's that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, and I mean, even... They even uh, dropped that from right. I think that's, that's not getting released. I yeah. don't think uh, either that or they're um, gonna they're the distri- uh, distributor dropped it. Mm-hmm. Um, Might go straight to video or something like that. Yeah, just yeah, crazy. So I lost all my enthusiasm for that movie. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that there's kind of I don't know. I think that there's a uh, dividing thing to to or something something to be said about uh the varying degrees of it like i mean yeah uh i don't know so my kind of stance on the whole like oh boycott someone's someone's work because of their personal actions like mm-hmm. yes that's i i understand that that's fine like i i get that i don't believe i'm i'm i don't think i'm one to really do that though because and and kind of my justification for that is that uh, let's say House of Cards, for example, um, which I'm going to bring up in Extended Potpourri, actually. <laughs> um, Kevin Spacey is a, uh, is alleged, and it's very heavily um, backed up, that he is a predatory person mm-hmm. who assaults uh, who assaults people for sexual gratification using his power to, to, to do that. Right. And it's a, it's a wide open, it's a, it's a poorly kept secret that's now wide open to the public and everything. Mm -hmm. That's deplorable. That's, that's, that's despicable. That's inexcusable. Mm -hmm. My, my kind of devil's advocate of that is that house of cards isn't, it, it stars Kevin Spacey, but, there are hundreds and hundreds of people that work on that show. 
Mm-hmm. And he is not it is it's not his sole creation. Like there are writers, directors, actors, uh 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 crew, uh people that are involved behind the scenes that are I feel like it's not and I may have mentioned this on uh, when Fakus was on, but I don't I don't feel like I I would need to boycott that show because of Kevin Spacey's actions. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that after Netflix has had suspended the production, uh, met with the production crew, did their own little investigation, uh, fired Kevin Spacey from the show completely and are, are going to complete the show's final season with um, um, Robin Wright as the lead character without having Kevin Spacey involved in the show at all. So, I'm comfortable with watching the show mm-hmm. because there are hundreds of people that work on it and Netflix was proactive. And once they came to light, I mean, you can debate whether or not they were aware of this thing before, during it. And they, they were only in uh, that. That's all conjecture. There's nothing to, to base that on, but mm-hmm. the fact that they were, that they cut them out of the show and that they, they were proactive and sh- did something to show that they were uh, serious about it is enough to make me feel comfortable watching it. Um, it redeemed the show as a whole. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't, disp- yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, degrade my, my enjoyment of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not watching it. It's not the, it's not the Kevin Smith hour on Netflix. Yeah. It, or Kevin Spacey, not right. Kevin Smith. <laughs> um, Kevin Smith's in the clear for as far as I know. Yeah. But it's not the Kevin Spacey hour. Um, but on the other hand, Louie, like, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable watching Louie, the right. show, because that is his, like, even though there are, again, there are tons of people that work on that show and tons of people that come, uh, that work together to, to create the show. He is the auteur of that show. He's yeah. writer, director, producer, star. He, that is mm-hmm. his, that's his creation. It's so a lo- it's a look into his mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I, even though I, I, I'm going to have to choose my words very carefully. Even though his response to the back or to the, to the allegations and everything was enough to not, uh, was enough to make me not complete, lose, lose all of like lose complete and total respect for him. Mm-hmm. Like there, he was able to redeem a very small, like it doesn't make his actions excusable or anything, but the fact that he came clean and was like, yes, these stories are true and, and everything like, okay, at least he has that self-awareness. He is, he had, he has that going for him. Mm-hmm. Probably not enough for me to want to, you know, check out his stuff anymore or anything, yeah. but it's, that's something, there's something to be said. There's a positive to be said about that. Right. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I can see in in solidarity with with the people that he subjected himself to and did that to. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay to see his stuff, right? Uh, and give him money when he when he used that power and fame to, uh, you know, do despicable things. Take advantage of people. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Take advantage of that position to right. Try to coerce something, uh, someone into doing sexual things that they don't want to do. Right. Um, yeah, which is the official pod, official stance of this podcast is that's wrong. That is wrong. Yes. Um, but yeah, but it's all a, a very interesting and, and kind of sticky situation for, for fans of media as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything? And I, yeah. And like, and you know, looking back at 
Kevin Spacey's past career. Mm-hmm. I I don't I I don't know that that his actions uh, after all this comes come, has come to light. I don't know if it's going to taint my opinion of you know American Beauty or right. L.A. Confidential. I mm-hmm. I don't know. Or same thing with, but with Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like yeah. You, like you said, that's like his. It's like his his comedy is his intellectual property. Mm-hmm. It's not like Kevin Spacey just plays one character in L.A. Confidential. Right. You know, it's yeah. I, so basically, I, I agree with what you said, and I yeah, I, I feel the same way. And, his yeah, Kevin Spacey and and the actors that are that are at the front of this um they are they're giving an interpretation of someone else's creative right. like ip their 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 creation so it's not mm-hmm. like kevin spacey created his character in la confidential right right um he's just performing it yeah um yeah same thing with harvey weinstein and all the movies he produced right yeah like goodwill hunting is still a great movie right you know <laughs> yeah yeah um and there was something along those lines I was going to, I was going to bring up. Oh, in like, uh, how do you feel? And this is a slight tangent kind of going off of that, but knowing that like this whole, like right now we're in a, we're in a, we're at a point where all of these, it's an avalanche of these kind of, uh, allegations are coming out and people are like, people are being, um, uh, like these things are coming for people are coming forward with, with their experiences um, and exposing the, these particular people that uh, victimized them. Um, and that's great. And like that, that's, uh, that is amazing that, you know, we have this, that people feel comfortable enough to have that voice to tell their story and, and to come forward with, with their, um, uh, with with their situation and everything and bring that to light and hopefully bring some kind of justice to to the to the people who have done this these things to them mm-hmm. um and that's we have that and then and then it just reminds me that uh, I don't remember when this movie came out but I mean years ago the pianist came out and people are like, Oh, Roman Polanski's amazing and stuff. Yeah. And you have like these, like kind of a few of the big ones, Roman Polanski's the whole thing. Woody Allen's got that mm-hmm. whole thing as well. And then Mel Gibson, of course. Yeah. And it's like Mel Gibson is currently like in, like he's having a little bit of a resurgence. He's in, mm-hmm. um, daddy's home too. Yeah. And, uh, um, Gosh, the movie he directed. Um, oh, um, ah, the war movie? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Yeah, I uh, don't remember what it's called now. Oh my something God. Ridge. Uh, oh, uh, Heartbreak Ridge? Is that no, it? Heart something Ridge? I don't know. But yeah, I, yeah, you're right. He has... Yeah, he's had a bit of a resurgence. Yeah, so like having... I don't know what really my point is, except to just remind listeners that these people should, you know, yeah. you should kind of keep those and keep those people in mind and everything. But do you think that there should be, do you think there should be, or do you think there will be, or what have you, like a, uh, a, a reaction to like uh, reinforcing that, um, reinforcing these particular hacksaw ridge was, a, was hacksaw what it's called. Ridge. yeah um reinforcing these kind of uh their own 
misgivings and, and weird things. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Hmm. Do you think that the public consciousness will, like the kind of hive mind of the internet and everything, will remind everyone else of of you know why these people are kind of scuzzy too? I don't know. I'm really curious. Like, like I think an actor could bounce back much easier than a comedian could to, mm-hmm. to stick with the two examples we've been mentioning mostly. But I, I really don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Roman Polanski has always bothered me. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it's always bothered me is because he cannot set foot in the United States. Yeah. So he's he's maintained a successful career as a director because people are willing to cater to that shortcoming, mm-hmm. meaning actors, producers, and makeup artists, fashion designers, mm-hmm. they're all willing to go film a movie in England that's supposed to be set in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to travel there just to cater to the fact that he's a literally a fugitive. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's always bothered me that they convince so many people to be complicit in that. Yeah. And it, it's 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 affected my ability to enjoy his films, um, the pianist, and uh, he wrote that Ghost Rider movie, or he did the uh, Ghost Writer, not Ghost Rider, right. um, not the not the Nicolas Cage movies, um, <laughs> a few years ago, and like I, I I wasn't able to enjoy those movies as much mm-hmm. um, because of that, and he's especially. His case is especially disturbing to me because it was like a thirteen-year-old girl that was telling him to stop while he was raping her. I mean, that's just... Yeah. To, and he, he's admitted to it, I, I believe. Uh, I'm going to kind of quickly read from Wikipedia. Okay. Um, and again, this is Wikipedia, so yeah. citation needed. But uh, in March 1977, film director Roman Polanski was arrested and charged in Los Angeles with five offenses against Samantha Gailey, a 13-year-old girl. Uh, those charges were rape by use of drugs, perversion, right. sodomy, lewd, and lascivious act upon a child under 14, and furnishing a controlled substance to a minor. At his arraignment, uh, Pol- Pol- uh, Polanski pleaded not guilty to all charges, but later accepted a plea bargain whose terms included dismissal of the five initial charges in exchange for a guilty plea to the lesser charge of engaging in unlawful sexual intercourse. And then uh, to go back to his original uh, page here, uh, he was released from prison after serving 42 days and as part of uh, an apparent plea, gar- plea bargain was to be put on probation. When he learned that the judge had changed his mind and planned to reject the plea bargain, he fled to Paris before sentencing. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, so he's an active fugitive. Yeah. And I don't think 42 days in, in prison is enough of a sentence for what, what he did. No, absolutely not. So, I that's that's i think that case stands out to me mm-hmm. but yeah i i don't know rosemary's babies is, is, is a really good movie <laughs> um, sure i mean i don't know i i have i have moral conflict in regards mm-hmm. to that so i i really don't i i, I wouldn't judge anyone either way if mm-hmm. they're just like well yeah he's He's a piece of shit and he should be in jail right um but it doesn't change the fact that I enjoyed the movies. I can't. Right. I, I'm not going to hold a moral judgment against someone for that, mm-hmm. um, or the other extreme, whereas someone would completely boycott their work. And right. yeah, either, either thing. I, I have no. That's fine. I'm not going to call anyone out for either of those positions. Sure. 
And, and, and I fall somewhere in the middle, kind of. Yeah, I think. To be fair, <laughs> as shitty as that sounds, Rosemary's Baby and Chinatown, they both were, you know, released before, that, before the yeah. charges in '77. Yeah. Um. So that that's there, but right. It's just it's just I I need to go back and and watch like the like Adrian Brody's acceptance speech and everything for for the pianist and and see like how because I ha- like it just seems so in my head all of like all of these allegations and everything that are coming to light and this kind of public outcry and everything is just reminding me how people were so as you said complicit and complacent also uh yeah. with you know Roman Polanski oh you know uh, you know he's he's a fugitive and everything, but hey, uh, the pianist was was pretty all right. Yeah. Um, like it just seemed, it just seems like turning a turning a blind eye, and then mm-hmm. I would hope that now it's just, you know, something that comes to light, and and right. I would hope that the public would be, you know, harder to forgive for yeah. things like that. I hope it changes. I hope one of the changes is that we all react differently to witnessing this kind of stuff. And obviously, yeah. if you if you witness a rape, I would hope that most people would say something. You know, what I'm saying like, right. but, but if it needs to go beyond that to where if you if you're a party to or a witness of someone just saying something inappropriate, right, or making another employee feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. or even it doesn't even need to be workplace just don't don't sit idly by yeah don't turn don't, a blind eye don't participate yeah um we had a work gathering and someone said something a little off and i i didn't say anything but i chose not other people were kind of laughing it was it was supposed to be a joke it was an inappropriate mm-hmm. joke and i I just chose not to laugh at it and it made me feel, I was like that you shouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe I should have done more and been like, please don't say those things. But I, I don't know. I, it's, it's made me examine how I react to stuff, I guess. Yeah. And and I hope it has that same effect on other people. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I mean, it is kind of uh putting like for us, it's, you know, like, male privilege like it's yeah. kind of making us reconsider you know at least empathize with with how, or not empathize but become more aware of the culture of our of our everyday lives essentially right um which i mean and to be honest tiny we're both white men in america we we have pretty hard lives we do so yeah um <laughs> no that's ridiculous but um but no, it is it is something that's that's definitely something that I want to be more cognizant of and, mm-hmm. and conscious of when I see it in the workplace and everything. Right. I work from home, so I can just <laughs> I call my cat cute and everything. So I guess that's kind of harassment. So yeah, hopefully, yeah. Pizza, come see me. She is the cutest little cat ever, though. She's cute. Anyway. Um, do you want to get into extended poopery? Yeah, by we, the should, way? we should probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah well, uh, yeah. Let us know what you thought of that discussion um, mm, and everything. Kind of unintentional, but uh, yeah. But hey, it, it was needed. Like yeah. this is something that's that's needed to be 
discussed as as much as possible. That's why we've discussed it for the last three episodes at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and well, I'm sure we'll discuss it more with hopefully there yeah. the floodgates stay open and and we can uh, hopefully as a culture enact some positive change to how we right. how the not only film industry but different industries without throughout the country um behave yeah yeah i think it needs to be a cultural shift and yep. not just in those industry shifts yeah will. yeah yep uh so tiny <laughs> yes extended potpourri mm-hmm. um do you want to go first i would love to kick off potpourri and i can kick it off with a form of justice if you oh. will to to keep Ooh. it in the same ballpark if mm-hmm. if you will um um, for those who don't know, extended potpourri. Potpourri is the section of the podcast where we talk about anything we want as long as it smells good. Uh, <laughs> something coming up that we're looking forward to or something we've been watching that we want to talk about. Anything that we want. Um, and so I am going to give sort of an update on mm-hmm. a documentary that I referenced in episode uh, uh, 223. Um, I talked about a documentary called Icarus, which was about the Russian doping scandal. It was announced this week that the entire country of Russia is banned from the next Olympics. I saw that, and I thought yeah. of, I immediately thought of of our discu- your discussion of the uh, of Icarus. Right, that's amazing. So that's and that's what needed to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was a horribly kept secret that yeah. you know doping was very prevalent in Olympic sport, and this is what needed to happen. Um, you know, that there are worse problems in the world, but. Uh, you know, it's it's a very celebrated thing. I love the Olympics. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's such a great form of entertainment, and yeah. it, a lot of people around the world love it. And to have it so tainted just felt yeah. wrong. And it's the height of athletic achievement, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's not just it's not minor league baseball. You know, it's it's the Olympics, and so yeah, to have such a harsh punishment levied is was I think the right thing to do, and I'm glad that it's happening. I like minor league baseball. Uh, I know I wasn't shitting on. I mean, minor I like baseball. I like going to the Indianapolis Indians games. It's me too. Fun. My my apartment complex keeps giving me <laughs> keeps giving me tickets. Right, it's, it's fun. But most of the country has no idea that the <laughs> Indianapolis Indians even exist. You know, yet. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I I got you. Right. And I, from my understanding, what I read was that um, the country is is not allowed, but athletes from the country can participate uh, as neutral. Athletes, I guess. Oh, really? I didn't read that. Yeah, that that's that was essentially, <laughs> essentially, I read the headline and that was like the subheading. Okay. So, uh, gotcha. Take that with a grain of salt. I'll I'll dig up the uh, okay link and and put it in the show notes of the episode. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. So that was that's good news, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, should I go next? Please. All right. So I'm going to kick off my section of extended potpourri with uh, some pretty interesting news. Uh, we're recording this today, <laughs> Wednesday, December 6th. And uh, okay. So as you guys likely, I would hope, know, I do have a solo side project podcast called Anthology where I review episodes of The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer. Um, I've never seen the show before. I'm watching it for the first time in my life and commenting on how I feel about it. Each episode I pair with a movie or show that's somehow related to the main episode that I'm discussing. And so 
in doing that, I started that a couple years ago. And then in doing that, I, I started to do, uh, last year I did a bonus episode review series of Black Mirror, um, when the third season came out. And then I've also just completed a bonus episode review series of Dimension 404. So the long and short of that is that I do uh, review the Twilight Zone and then uh, modern anthology science fiction shows like uh, Black Mirror, Dimension 404, and the upcoming Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams that comes out January 12th on Amazon Prime. So with that as my preface, today was a huge day for anthology as a anthology and fans of science fiction anthology television. Um, starting on Black Friday, uh, November 27th, 8th, um, the, or 25th, I think, um, the Netflix or the, uh, the fa- uh, Black Mirror Facebook page started posting posters for the new episodes. Cause at that point we had been, we had been given in August a teaser trailer that just showed the episode titles and brief flashes of, of the clips from the episodes. Um, I think we actually discussed it in a potpourri section and on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So that was in August. Radio silence since then. Then Black Friday, we start getting posters for each episode. One day we would get a poster. The next day we would get a 40 to 30 to 40 second trailer for that episode. Then the next day would be another episode poster. Next day, another trailer, blah, blah, blah. So that ended yesterday, December 5th, with the trailer for USS Callister. And then today they released a trailer for the whole of season four with finally the release date. <laughs> uh, it is coming out December 29th. I am freaking excited. Wow. Um, December 29th, they're coming out with uh, all six new episodes of Black Mirror, and uh, I'm going to be reviewing it on Anthology, and I'm so excited about it. And uh, Tiny, I think you and I had talked about maybe you coming on to Anthology to do a kind of wrap-up episode for it. Okay, sure. Get it? Okay, good. Absolutely, good. yeah. That is a verbal, verbal commitment. I'll have my lawyers contact you. <laughs> it is binding. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, check that out at anthologypod.com. And uh, also, the same day today, it was announced that – I'll preface this too. I won't be as long-winded this time. Um, a few weeks ago or about a month or so ago, um, there was a, a board meeting with CBS – like CBS, uh, uh, one of those like board meeting things that they have, like investor meetings. Okay. Where I think it was Les Moonves had the head of CBS had kind of nonchalantly or casually mentioned that they are eyeing a Twilight Zone reboot produced by Jordan Peele in his production company, Monkey Paw Productions, mm-hmm. uh, to be written and run by. Marco something. I can't remember his last name, but he was, he previously worked on, um, daredevil and, uh, sons of anarchy and a couple other shows. So that was just kind of thrown out there. News ran with it. Today we got word that that, (laughs) and this has me so excited that was officially announced as greenlit and they ordered the given a series order for CBS all access. And, that's amazing to me. Like mm-hmm. there's going to be, I'm, I'm doing a podcast about the twilight zone and there's going to be a brand new twilight zone series. <laughs> and I'm so, so pumped about that. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, as a kind of not pat on my back, but kind of just excitement on for me. Um, uh, just, I'm just so happy. Cause like I, cause 
a couple years ago when I started to think about doing anthology, I was like, you know, I could do a, I could do my own solo podcast. I've always wanted to watch the twilight zone. And then like, I was always on the fence about it. It's something that I, I wasn't like, I'm astonished that I actually pulled the trigger on it. And then like now fast forward two two and a half years later, however long. And it's like, it's like I have the twilight zone and then I have like, we are in this time where like science fiction anthology television shows are like coming back. Mm -hmm. Like each streaming service now has its own show. Like Netflix has black mirror. Hulu has dimension 404, which they've never really announced that they're going to do a second season, but that's neither here nor there. Amazon prime is going to have electric dreams here in a few weeks or here in about a month. And then, uh, now CBS all access is bringing back the fucking twilight zone. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's, it's exciting. I'm super excited. And, uh, it yeah. is exciting. It is. Yeah. Are you glad that it's on uh, network TV as opposed to cable? Um, I'm glad that it's on streaming. So okay. it'll be on CBS all access. So it, I believe I, I've never seen anything on CBS all access. I haven't watched Star Trek discovery or anything, mm -hmm. but, um, uh, I believe that they, well, I don't know if they would have, the same restrictions as, as network television, but even, even if they did, I mean, the original twilight zone is, is remarkable and, and it had those same restrictions and everything. Yeah. It was a different time for network TV, but yeah. And, uh, cables, cables kind of taken over. Right. And Jordan, Jordan Peele, I know that he's not going to be, he's not going to be running the show or anything. It's going to be that Marco guy, but did you ever see get out? I haven't seen it yet. No. Okay. You, my your homework for this episode <laughs> watch get out before the end of the year cuz it it may be on your top 10 list okay um and it is watch get out and then remind yourself that he's going to be a part of the new twilight zone <laughs> and it's that's going to be very very uh <laughs> yeah nice yep well speaking of top 10 lists Okay. For the year. I have a potential one and it might shock the crap out of you. Okay. So. No. Go ahead. I saw your list, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, The Babysitter. Oh, okay. Which I thought you were going to go with that first one. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, Netflix original. Mm. Um, You probably heard of it. I think it was kind of trending and it got a little bit of buzz online. Mm. Um, It's, uh, again, a Netflix original came out for the kind of Hollywood, uh, I'm sorry, Halloween mm -hmm. season. Um, it is directed by McGee. Yes. Which hurts for me <laughs> to talk about how much I enjoy it, mm -hmm. despite the fact that it was directed by McGee. But, uh, but I had just so much fun with this movie. Have you watched it yes. yet? Have I have considered? not. Okay. But the cover art on, uh, Netflix just looks like it's <clears throat> looks like it strikes the perfect tone. Yes. It, it is 100% a callback to the over the top campy, cheesy, horror movies of the eighties and nineties, like slasher movies and stuff like that. Um, it is totally a callback and a, a send up of that, that genre or subgenre. Um, and it's, it's just, they just, it feels like they just had so much fun making this movie. Um, nice. it's, it's over the top in such a delightful way. And so the characters, the actors are all taking their characters to an extreme and they're all over the top but they're supposed to be like, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's very, it's kind of like tongue in cheek in that regard. Mm -hmm. So like a character will say something totally ridiculous, 
but you just laugh at it because it's so it's so over the top that it's just it's just incredibly enjoyable. Nice. Um, the lead actress Samara Weaving, uh, I had I was not familiar with her at all, but she was like magnetic. She she's very um she she kind of has to play two roles, if you will. Um, her character has a big shift, but uh, she was brilliant, and I really appreciated her. She's she's an incredibly beautiful woman as well. Um. And then the male lead, the main character, played by Judah Lewis, uh, a, a young kid who's being babysat by uh, Samara Weaving. Um, he's a little too old to have a babysitter, but he kind of has a crush on her, and so it's just it's just this really fun scenario that like most I think most uh, boys can um, uh, associate with because I I had uh, babysitters that I had crushes on. And so that, that was kind of, that's a good in for the movie, I think. And it really, you really buy his character and, uh, he does a great job. Uh, Judah Lewis does, does an awesome job. There's some other, um, notable actors in it. Bella Thorne, uh, plays mm-hmm. kind of the cheerleader type. She's pretty funny. Uh, Hannah Mae Lee, which you will know from pitch perfect movies, the oh, yeah. Asian girl who's odd and quiet. Um, and then Andrew, yeah, uh, Andrew Bachelor, who's I think famous for either Vine or Snapchat or both. I don't know. Um, sure. Yeah, he's 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 in it. He was, I didn't I didn't love him, but he was okay. And then what's his name again? Uh, Andrew Bachelor. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I watch his vines and stuff. He's. I think he's funny on there. Okay. I didn't love him in the movie though. Mm. And then uh, Leslie Bibb and Ken Marino play the kids' parents. Oh, okay. Um, so that was it. Was fun to see them in the movie, but um, that's kind of a rundown of the cast. But yeah, it's 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 sort of uh, an evening goes wrong where this babysitter is. It's kind of a it takes a common um, a common story and kind of flips it on its head a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's it's just super fun. Like it's just it's extreme camp, and I. I enjoy that kind of stuff when it's done right. And this movie was done right. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know if it'll be a top 10, Sure, but there's a very good chance that it'll be an honorable mention. Nice. For, for 2017 for me. And it's, and it's a one night, it's a one night movie. Yes. Like a one night, not party movie, but like one night movie. Yes. That's all yeah. I, I, cause I'm always attracted to those right. stories. Right. I enjoyed the hell out of it. It's, it's a fun movie. It has a 6.4, on IMDb, I'd probably give it. I'd give it a solid seven and a half, maybe an eight. Nice. So I really enjoyed it. Very nice, and that's on Netflix. So I'll I'll definitely have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So next up for me, um, I'm I'm trying to because our discussion went so long that I'm trying to economize what, what yeah, I'm Yeah, I need to stream, streamline my thoughts on these. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I brought up House of Cards in our discussion, and I will just mention real briefly that I had not seen season five. Uh, season five premiered in February. I had watched season four like probably last summer, mm-hmm. um, and then season five came out in like February or March, and then just never, never watched it. Uh, season four had left not necessarily a bad taste in my mouth, but I was kind of like the show's kind of running its course with me. Yeah. Um, season four was interesting because it one half of the season, it, it was kind of a, a season that was split into two different halves. Like there was an event kind of halfway through the season that kind of informed the last half of the season and kind of changed the, the trajectory of the season as a whole. But one of the things that I kind of, was disappointed with with season four was that 
we had this whole re-election or election campaign thing going on and that felt unresolved and we mm-hmm. got the introduction of the um the uh oppo- his opposing candidate that's uh played by oh man what is his name i can't think of it off the top of my head joel kinnaman joel kinnaman who i thought did fine in season four he kind of felt like very kind of just he was trying to do the presidential thing. I don't know if that was a character thing or a fault of the actor, but it just didn't really mesh well with me. But it ended well, then, and then, but not well enough for me to really be interested in season five that much. Mm-hmm. So I got bored and I watched season five in its entirety, episode one through 13. And I didn't realize this until after I'd finished it, but uh, Bo Williman who was the showrunner for the first four, first four seasons. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten that he had left the show. Oh, yeah. And so too. these, huh? Me too. Oh, yep. Yep. <laughs> so he had left after season four. So season five had two, two showrunners. I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but man, the show, it's, it feels, you feel that. Yeah. Um, have you seen season five? I have, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you definitely feel that it, that they, that they changed it up a little bit and that it just didn't really have that same sheen. Yeah. And a lot of the events of the season, like the kind of big moments felt, felt so much like TV to me. And the show, the show at, at its, uh, at its strength at its strongest was when it took the when it took like crazy turns but it was still grounded in reality like it was still grounded in this in this world of political sabotage and 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 manipulation that worked well for it so even if they go to an extre- like a crazy extreme it still felt like it was still within this this world this season just felt like Okay, they're just doing this because they need this character to do this thing to bring us in because it's shocking. Mm-hmm. And it just felt it just it I was so at the end of it I was like, okay, that first of all, one of the like a big uh, a choice that's made like something that happens in the season just makes no goddamn sense <laughs> in the context of the entire series at all. Yeah. Like oh, it's baffling to me. And it just felt like it just feels like the show was just limping to to the end. Like it just felt so just cumbersome, over over encumbered. I agree vehemently. Yes, uh, I think the show kind of jumped the shark a little bit. Yes, um, absolutely. I think you can you can buy the actions of those characters up to a certain extent. Like you said, mm-hmm. they were it's it's extreme, but it's grounded in reality. Like you said, right? But they they took it too far this season. Yeah. I think you can only expect a certain level of uh surreality i guess uh in in a show mm-hmm. or in a story to a certain extent and i think they've they've crossed that they've crossed that threshold yep and they're they've gone too far mm-hmm. <laughs> they jumped the shark so i i agree i think i think yep. concluding that story that story from the first episode on is such an extreme story there's so mm-hmm. much it's so shocking mm-hmm. that you can only take it so far before it reaches that point. Yeah. And I've, I've, I have said on this podcast for years that I think when it comes to television, a lot of the times less is more. Mm-hmm. And I think I like to use the wire as an example of five mm-hmm. seasons, 60 episodes. 
That show is super tight. That's one of the best made shows ever. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of shows would, it would behoove them to stick to that format. Yeah. And House of Cards is absolutely one of them. The logical conclusion point would be about 60 hours, five seasons of that, of Mm -hmm. the under, uh, Underwoods being sociopaths. Yeah. You know, I I think it's, yeah, it should have concluded with, with a fifth season, I think, or even a fourth, I think. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like I said, it's just so extreme. Yeah, that you can only take it so far, and they've taken it too far. Yeah, like it yeah. makes me it makes me wish that the show only had four seasons, if only because it's it's House of Cards, and four seasons of thirteen episodes would have been fifty two episodes. Oh man, that would have been so perfect. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that would have been perfect. But ugh, but yeah, what happens? Yeah, uh, so that's all I'm gonna say about House of Cards. We can yeah. after we record, I'm gonna have to pick your brain about a couple things. Okay, but um. What uh, what do you have next? Well, uh, continuing with my top ten of the year oh, Jesus. theme, <laughs> uh, Wind River. Oh my God! Okay, yeah. Are you not going to bring up the first thing on there? I'm not going in order. If you could okay. tell, yeah. Okay, I should have told you that that list was in no particular order. Gotcha. Um, Paige and I watched Wind River <laughs> uh, over the weekend, and it will be in my top ten. Nice, maybe top five. Uh, How did you watch it? Uh, we actually rented it on from cable from AT and T Verse. Um, yeah, uh, the movie was just phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's, for those who don't know, it's, it's, it's about a a murder mystery on an Indian reservation in rural Wyoming, which I'm not sure anywhere in Wyoming is not rural. Um, (laughs) it's, um, it's, it's a, it reminded me a lot of, um, Hell or High Water. Oh, nice. Where, because the setting is such an extreme setting and it's so... The the setting is so inextricably linked to the people who live there mm-hmm. that you have to address it, and it, it. You have to use the cliche that it's like the setting is a character in the movie <laughs> because it is. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's so integral to how life functions in that part of the world that you have to make it such a prevalent part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the extreme of living in rural Wyoming in winter time and trying to investigate a murder with that that huge of a burden is, is an incredibly difficult thing to do. And a particular set of skills might serve an investigation more in that setting than it would in another one. And so um, it, it kind of results in a, a, a sort of a roundabout way of a murder mystery. It's, it's, it's a different take on a murder mystery uh, in my book. Anyways, um, okay. I really hope Jeremy Renner gets an Oscar nomination. Nice. He has some, super good scenes where he's just his emotion is just spilling out of him and that's he's awesome. a very uh sort of like uh roland uh mm-hmm. the gunslinger in uh the dark tower series which you talk about on tower junkies tower junkies pod.com yeah um we talk about roland all the time and how stoic he is and how he's got like the thousand yard stare Jeremy Renner's character is kind of like that. He's absolutely a gunslinger type nice. character. And so to see him be such an emotional person is out of character in a really refreshing way. Okay. He does a great job. And then Elizabeth nice. Olsen plays kind of like this, uh, uh, inexperienced kind of rookie FBI character mm-hmm. who, you know, it's like, Ooh, she's the, she's like a, a, a crack shot investigator. It doesn't go that route. She turns out to be a, very integral character and she's um she's a bit of an archetype but they kind of they kind of buck that archetype 
by the by the end of the movie in a really uh, really satisfying way. Nice. Um, it's it's a really good movie. There are some. It's it's very it's very emotional and there's there's you know some mysterious stuff. It's absolutely a drama, but there are mm-hmm. a handful, or at the very least, a few very good actiony kind of scenes. Um, it also sort of reminded me of No Country for Old Men in that way, mm-hmm. and that there's a lot of talking and then you have these extreme action moments, okay. um, which both those movies take place in West Texas. So, did um, you are you aware that? The writer director is Taylor Sheridan, who wrote Hell or High Water. Is it okay? Yeah, I knew I knew his name. Okay, I I didn't take the time to look up. But I was like, why do I know? Mm-hmm. Why do I know Sheridan? Why do I know that name? You may know also know him for his role as the deputy chief in Sons of Anarchy seasons one and like two, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm <laughs> glad I knew that. Um, but yeah, the movie is phenomenal. It's going to be nice. in my top ten without question. Sweet. Um, I just don't know where I'm going to put it yet, but it's mm-hmm. it's so good. Please go see it. I I loved it. While you were talking, I actually rented it on Google Play. So nice. I will be watching it before the end of the year for sure. Good. Um, nice. So that's Wind River. Yep. And yeah. Uh, so next up for me, uh, once I bring up my list here and I quit stalling, is <laughs> – oh, it just went away. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Um and do you want this to be – do you want to do two more or – I'll just do one more. One more. Okay. Yeah. So the next up for me is Coco, the nice. new Pixar movie. And before I talk about it, I want to go ahead and give you a 20-minute breakdown of something from Frozen. <laughs> um, have you heard about this? No. Okay. So before I get to my thoughts on on Coco uh, – so with Pixar movies and Disney animated movies, they have a short that plays before before the movie in mm-hmm. the theater, which I love it. Like that's a nice, that's kind of a nice way to ease into a kids movie and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever goddamn reason, the powers that be thought that it would be a good idea to have the short film or short animated film that plays before Coco to be a twenty two minute Frozen holiday short featuring uh is it josh gad's character of olaf the snowman really as the focal character with i want to say three different musical numbers or maybe more man it was grueling (laughs) (laughs) that's not cool no no it's not and as of this recording they've actually there uh as of this weekend december 8th uh, they're actually pulling it from, from oh my the screenings gosh. because of the backlash. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not cool. No, no, it's not. And like, and like it, it honestly kind of had, I don't know if it, I don't know if it had an adverse effect with my viewing of Coco because I actually, okay. So I went to see Coco with a friend who had seen it the weekend before. And so before the movie starts, she's like, um, Hey, just so you know, there's a 20 minute frozen short, <laughs> short that plays before this. And I'm like, Gosh. Oh my God. All right. Um, so like it was, it was very, like I was ready for that to be done f- 10 minutes into it. No, oh, man, five to seven minutes into it. <laughs> and it just did not stop. Damn. Yeah. And like, and to pre- to, to kind of put some, um, uh, to put, to put some context into that reasoning or that my thoughts on that, I am a sucker for Christmas themed media. 
like Christmas episodes of TV shows. I am there. Christmas movies. I am there. Christmas theme shorts about in the world of frozen. I am not, not there. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds terrible. Yeah. But, uh, Coco was amazing. Nice. <laughs> so Coco is the latest Pixar movie. It is about a kid. Um, it's I'll read the plot description actually. Um, so Coco was announced years ago because obviously um, Pixar has to you know it takes years to create the right. the movies. Um, so the plot description, according to IMDb is aspiring musician, Miguel confronted with his family's ancestral, uh, ban on music enters the land of the dead to find his great, great grandfather, a legendary singer. So when this movie was announced several years ago, it was referred to as the untitled Pixar Dia de los Mer- Mer- uh, Muertos movie. Hmm. And when it was announced, I was just like, all right. I mean, I'm sure the Pixar will deliver, but I just, I'm not sure how, like, I don't, uh, it didn't really pique my interest because I know nothing about Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And this movie is classic. I mean, maybe not classic Pixar, but it is, it's Pixar through and through. It has all of those great, like, family bond like beats to it mm-hmm. that and, and the music is amazing also and it's just this really beautiful story and it like the best pixar movies it will bring you to tears like i teared mm. up quite a bit and just like oh the the turns that it takes is is very are very uh very uh inventive and, and cool and i i just i loved it i can't speak more about it because i'd go into spoilers but right uh coco is amazing it will likely be on my top 10 nice um, as well everything i've heard about and read about it has my interest yeah um i will say that this was the second movie of 2017 that pixar released after cars 3 and even though i did appreciate cars 3 and i liked cars 3 and i'm a defender of the cars franchise at least the first and three mm-hmm. um I have thought more about Coco in the five days since I've seen it than I have in the five months since I've seen Cars 3. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a movie that definitely sticks with you and is, nice. uh, is a great entry in the Pixar canon. That's great to hear. Yep. And awesome. then also, yeah, and then also just really briefly, mm-hmm. um, just kind of a, as an addendum to that, um, I've rediscovered my love of collecting Blu-rays. <laughs> Nice. Um, which is terrible for me, but, um, but no, like I basically, I got to, got all of my, uh, Marvel cinematic universe and Pixar DVDs, like, like Blu-rays together and, and put kind of to evaluate where I am in my collecting of them. Cause I want to collect them all because I am right. a sucker for consumerism. Right. And, uh, in doing that, I discovered that I had a handful of, uh, digital copies that I never um, redeemed. Uh-huh. And with Disney, they have uh, Disney movie rewards where some of the, like their Blu-rays, some of them don't have a digital copy, but you can redeem points for it. So each movie or each DVD gets like 200 points and you use those points to redeem like, like uh, prizes. Okay. So, <laughs> I have a stack of Pixar movies that I have all but two Pixar movies. 
Uh-huh. And some of them have digital copies and some of them don't. With the digital copies, I redeem them on moviesanywhere.com, which is great because it links to iTunes, Google Play, and there it's great. So like on my Google Play, which is my preferred um, digital movie purchasing and, and viewing uh, app mm-hmm. that I just stream to my Chromecast. Like it's linked, like all of my Disney digital copies are linked to it and everything uh, through movies anywhere. Nice. But uh, redeeming all of those freaking codes and getting all of those <laughs> basically years and years worth of collecting these Blu-rays, I accrued enough points to redeem two prizes <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, free of charge. So I have in the mail on the way to me uh, a Blu-ray of Inside Out. Okay. And um, also a, a Funko Pop of Thor from Thor Ragnarok. Nice. So I'm excited. Cool. Um, yeah, and I also splurged and bought Cars and Cars 2 and Cars 3 on Blu-ray. So wow. Now I just need Finding Dory and Coco when it's released. And then also, for better or worse, The Good Dinosaur. Good dinosaur yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, it's man, it it's rough. Yeah, that's it's, what I've heard. It's really rough. Yeah. Um Well yeah. speak speaking of Pixar, just this isn't yes. I didn't plan for this to be one of my popery entries, oh, okay. but just very briefly, I finally watched Finding Dory. Oh nice. What'd you I think? Hadn't, hadn't watched it. Um I I'd been avoiding it because it's a sequel and I wasn't very enthusiastic about it. Sure. Um but it was so delightful. Yes. I cried like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was so. It was just so heartwarming. Mm-hmm. I I really loved it. Uh, uh, yeah. Young Dory is like the most so ad- cute, adorable, cute as can be. Like she's she's uh, like she's almost the most adorable. She was the most adorable like character in a movie that I'd seen until I saw Baby Groot and Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. coming too. Yeah. Um, totally. And, yeah. uh, Ed O'Neill as the like kind of anti-hero-ish octopus guy. Yeah. Was it, was his name Hank? I think so. Hank. Yeah. Perfect casting. For oh that. yeah. Yeah. I need to watch that again. Yeah. It was a great, adorable movie. I loved it. Nice. I, it's, it made me, it reminded me that I should never doubt Pixar. Right. They've had one or two stumbles, but that's mm-hmm. out of like 20. Would you, would you say that it was a adorable? I wouldn't say that. No, oh, you okay. did. I did, I did. Um, <laughs> so I loved it, of course. Nice. Um, yeah, it was. Nice. It was so so cute. Have you you've you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two? Yes. Yes. And then yes. have you seen? What do you have any other Pixar movies that you haven't seen? I haven't seen Inside Out yet. Oh yeah, wow. I haven't seen The Good Dinosaur. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, I watched Brave this year for the first oh, time. Oh wow! Yeah, nice. I'm I've been like meaning that. to revisit Brave and Monsters University. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen Cars Three yet. Oh, interesting. So I can loan you my copy if you want. Okay, I might so take I have it on Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah, at some point. Okay, sweet. Um, but my last it's... entry is actually something I'm looking forward to. Okay. It'll be brief. Um, I mentioned earlier that I listen to the radio a lot at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I flip on NPR a lot just because I think NPR is interesting and it, mm-hmm. they present news and so I it's kind of helps me keep up, keep up with the news. But uh, this, I think it was this week. It may have been last week. Uh, they interviewed Guillermo del Toro about his new movie, oh. uh, The Shape of Water, mm-hmm. which was on my radar because I'm always intrigued when Guillermo del Toro makes a new movie because mm-hmm. I might not love the movie itself, but I know I will... I know I will be visually stunned because yeah. he, he's an incredibly visual director. Mm-hmm. Um, he's big on, you know, uh, practical effects over C, uh, CGI and, mm-hmm. 
He's incredibly color, incredible color palette in his movies. Um, just beautiful visuals in, in his movies. And so I, I, it was on my radar for that reason. Um, but hearing him talk about it made me really excited for it. Nice. He I've talked heard about, good uh, yeah, he talked about, um, part of his inspiration for it was, uh, his reaction to the creature from the Black Lagoon when he was a kid. Oh, interesting. His family would go, when he lived in Guadalajara down in Mexico, he, his family would go to church on Sundays. Then after church, they would go see a movie. Mm-hmm. And he saw Creature from the Black Lagoon, and he, he was, as opposed to the monsterness of the movie, he was more intrigued by the fact that the monster was in love with a human being, and he he had a, he appreciated that story, that aspect of the story more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of his inspiration for this. Um, so hearing him talk about that was really charming, and, and the fact that this movie takes place in the 60s, and it's about, you know, a, a scientist, sort of a e- evil, crazy scientist, exploiting this unknown creature uh, to learn about it to support the Cold War. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a typical Cold War 60s story. And so he talks about how, you know, Michael Shannon plays kind of the evil scientist. And he talks about how if you made this movie in the 60s, he would be the hero. Mm-hmm. And the Russians would be the evil people. And he would be studying it. Like the, the feel-good of it was would be that he would find some incredible piece of information from this creature that he could use against the Russians. And that would be the, that'd be the general story. But you know, in this movie you have a cleaning lady who is your hero who falls in love and it's, it's a love story. It's not a cold war story. It's a love mm-hmm. story about a mute cleaning lady falling in love with the creature. And it's like, he's like, you know, he, he's like, you couldn't make this movie when it was set. Mm-hmm. You you couldn't they you they wouldn't let you do this they like you can't you, your main star cannot be a cleaning lady and you know it has to be the white man who's trying to support the United States and stuff like that and it was just really fascinating to hear him talk about shirking convention if you will mm-hmm. uh, in storytelling and it was just really fascinating um, I I really enjoyed the interview his English is really good nice. um, he has I love his accent mm-hmm. um, but no I'm I'm really looking forward to that movie now. Because nice. of listening to that interview, so I think it's going to be a cool movie. Um, the trailers look interesting. I will say the creature mm-hmm. uh, looks a lot like one of the characters from Hellboy, oh. the aquatic character from Hellboy. So that's a little. I'm like, eh, you could have tried a little harder to make him look right. different, maybe. But <laughs> but I'm I'm going to withhold that sure that notion until I see the movie. Um, it just sounds it sounds really. Sounds like a cool movie. I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna try to see it in the theater. Nice. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, even though, I mean, I'm. I, it's not that I'm not a fan of Guillermo. Guillermo. Wow. Guillermo. This has happened before when you tried to say before. his name on the podcast. Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> um, but I'm just. I'm just not. Like he is. Like you said, he is a very. Like it's kind. Of, to say, oh, he's a visionary director, like that seems kind of like a, uh, kind of like a uh, promotional thing, like like kind of a thing. But he is he's literally a visionary director. Yes. Um. So like his the visual effects in the movies and he does is really remarkable. Um. So, but having said that, like the only real frame of reference I have for his movies is is Pacific Rim, which I wasn't a fan of. Right. But. Um, yeah, I, I need to go back and watch 
Pan's Labyrinth, Labyrinth, which I've said on the podcast before. Yes. And uh, I need to watch all of his movies, essentially. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very intrigued by this movie. I've heard some really good things about it. Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth is a great movie. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, some of his other ones are just kind of odd, or it's like the uh, the... Uh, the movie's not necessarily great, but like sure. I said, you're gonna be visually stunned. He that's like, that is a consistent mm-hmm. part of his artistry as a filmmaker. Yeah, you're, you're going to be visually stunned, and so um, sometimes that coincides with a really good story too, and you get a really good movie like Pan's Labyrinth. Or sure, I think the first Hellboy movie is pretty. I think it's a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I enjoyed it quite a bit, but then Pacific Rim, eh, right? Not not so much. Did you um, ever see Crimson Peak? I haven't watched it yet, but yeah, I, I need I need to. Yeah, so. same here. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. that is my uh, there. The, I've actually I'm having a pretty good year as far as movie watching. Nice, better than I thought I would, given the fact that I got married and bought a mm-hmm. house and all that stuff. Um, that's awesome. So I'm I'm trying to formulate my end of the year mm-hmm. uh, list as I go here, and just I think it's going to be a pretty decent year. Yeah, um, mine's going to be a little hit or miss. Okay, I had a really good November. But a lot of it was also uh, rewatching stuff while I edit and um, uh, watching stuff specifically for podcasts. But okay, um, but yeah. But oh, uh, I was gonna say with your comments about uh, Guillermo del Toro talking about how he can make the movie in the '60s, like the whole time you were saying that, I was thinking like, yeah, that's that's very true. Because like for anthology, a lot of the bonus reviews I do is like classic kind of B movie science fiction movies. Mm-hmm. And from that era and that's like yeah that was that's exactly what it was like like even the <laughs> uh godzilla um i don't remember the subtitle for it but it was like the version of the original godzilla that was for american audiences where we basically just added an american actor right <laughs> into the scenes yep <laughs> um just this white american dude that's just like ah, oh, i'm here to save the day yeah it's just like i i need i never watched that version of it but um, cause the original Gojira is, uh, Gojira. Yeah. Gojira. Is the, uh, um, like one of my favorite movies. Nice. Um, yeah. So, uh, I don't really have anything else. I think I can throw in one more thing and then we can call it a night. Um, okay. oh, that's what it was. So I have been playing a lot of PlayStation four, mm-hmm. um, which I think we said this on tower junkies probably, but I don't know if we said it now. Hey, follow or, Add Tiny on PlayStation 4. Yes. What's your... Uh, my handle is lineofeld1999. Nice. Nice Dark Tower reference. Yes. Mine's Top Banana 0769 <laughs> because I bought a car 10 years ago and now yeah. that's going to be my PSN ID for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I've been playing a lot of PlayStation 4, but it... it um, uh, it falls under this this purview for this podcast because I played and beat the campaign for Star Wars Battlefront 2. Nice. Which is canon in the Star Wars universe. I didn't realize that. Yep. And, uh, okay, so first of all, Elephant in the Room, Star Wars Battlefront 2 had a lot of backlash because EA is, is a terrible company that yeah. wants to bleed its uh, players dry. But that's neither here nor there. We're not a... Play, uh, we're not a we're not a PlayStation Four podcast. Um, Tiny, I'll I'll register the no. Yeah, it, it'll be fine. It'll be no. fine. No, just wait till you get your shirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So anyway, um, I played the campaign uh, because specifically because uh, frequent listener, frequent guest, and uh, Patreon subscriber Tony Troxel, uh, he posted uh, uh, on geekingindiana.com actually grant over on geekingindiana.com posted a review of the campaign okay. that spoke very highly of it and that made me more comfortable with buying it because i didn't want to buy it for a broken multiplayer if if it didn't have a campaign that would be serviceable mm-hmm. uh, so i played the campaign um first of all it goes it it's set immediately after um the uh battle of endor okay and in, in uh, um, uh, in Return of the Jedi, I won't give anything else away. The perspective that it takes of the main character is very interesting and had me very, uh, very engaged with the story um, from the outset. Uh, playing, <laughs> shooting down like Tie Fighters and like playing like at like doing space battles like that was a freaking blast. Nice. Um, but the actual story and going into the canon of Star Wars. It was pretty good. Like, I oh, we didn't even man, we didn't even talk. We'll talk about this when we review Last Jedi. But um, it was recently announced that Ryan Johnson is going to be creating a new trilogy mm-hmm. after this one concludes. Yeah, and we're gonna have to have have a talk about that when we review Last Jedi. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, in he has said that it's going to be he's going to put the wars back in star Wars. Yeah. Um, which is great for me because I am, as everyone knows, I'm a Luke Skywalker warm, um, person toward the, toward the, uh, franchise. And one of the reasons why is because it's star Wars. And I feel like the wars aspect of it isn't, isn't as focal a point in the franchise as a whole, as I would like it to be like rogue one is, was really good for me because it was this, it was a war movie um, about this rebellion and everything and elements of a new hope and empire also have that. But for the most part, it's just, it just, I wanted it to be more of a focal point. So in battlefront two, it is a focal point. It feel, you feel that you you definitely feel it. And it's really cool. And interesting introduces a, what I assume is a new squad of, um, Imperial troops. It's called the Inferno Squad. Hmm. That's like special ops. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. Nice. So yeah, so that's that's Battlefront 2. It's canon, but hey, it's you know, uh it it's you know you're not gonna lose anything if you don't play it. But it hmm. it was enjoyable. I, I enjoyed the campaign. Nice. Yep. And uh yeah, that'll about do it. I think next week. If we can get it together, uh, we may be reviewing The Disaster Artist mm-hmm. on the podcast. And then the week after that is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yes. Yep. So, um, any parting thoughts before we call it a night? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, great. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. 
If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.